Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, eternitynow.com. E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. Go to our website and click Support Us to see how you can help bring the good news of eternal life to one million people this year. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. We see Russia invading Ukraine and preparing to use nuclear weapons there. China shooting missiles over Taiwan for the first time. We have India, Iran, and North Korea aligning with Russia and China. 44 conflicts globally that have claimed 100 or more lives over the past year. Today's threatening environment shows that a world war is likely coming. There are three such global conflicts in just seven years during the tribulation that we will discuss today. These three wars will claim at least half of the globe's population. We are going to examine them in my message today, The Coming World Wars, from Revelation chapter 6, 9, and 19. Revelation 6, 9, and 19. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Well, Father God, I thank you so much for this chance to be able to preach your word to the people. It's an important word. It's an important time for us to press into you, Lord God. I pray that each person here will receive encouragement and conviction to be able to live for Christ all the way until they join you by death or rapture, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for your anointing on me as well as every listener today. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Now, Jesus gave specific signs of the end in the Olivet Discourse of Matthew 24 and the other versions, Mark and also Luke, because they foreshadow what is going to happen on a far greater, more serious scale during the tribulation. Each of the three rounds of God's judgment in those seven years is going to have its own world war. The first such conflict comes as the seven seals are opened. So we go first to Revelation 6 and the first couple of verses. You may want to have your printed Bible open. We're going to go throughout Revelation today, a couple of other places. And you also could have BibleGateway.com open if you would like. But I will be reading all of those scriptures. So Revelation 6, at the time this talks about, the rapture has already taken place. Saved people are in heaven with the Lord, but the globe's descent into hell is just beginning. Revelation 6, verses 1 and 2. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So in these first two verses, we have Antichrist's spirit going out to cause problems between countries. He tries to fool people that he is good like the true Christ by riding a white horse, but his real goal is absolute power and control, and the bow indicates he is willing to kill for that. We have problems brewing according to Antichrist spirit today. Vladimir Putin trying to take over Ukraine from his vantage point in Russia certainly has that spirit. Xi about to act 
on China taking over Taiwan is of that same spirit. Iran cooking up a nuclear weapon to end Israel. That is of the same antichrist spirit. And North Korea also getting their bombs ready to be able to take over South Korea is of the antichrist as well. God has been long suffering, my friend, in keeping this globe from a world war for 77 years. World War II ended in 1945. So it's 77 years, over two generations, since we have seen a global conflict like this. It was only 21 years from the end of World War I to the beginning of World War II. So God has been patient. He's been kind. He's been long-suffering, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to him for eternal life. But you see, like any good parent in correcting their children, there has to be a moment when the patience runs out that the punishment is levied or else that child will just continue to disrupt and divide and have problems in that home. And the same thing with the spirit of the devil. It is time coming for judgment very, very shortly. But God is going to give it to us in stages. He's going to have the rapture. Then the tribulation gives people seven more years to repent. And then we are going to have Jesus Christ making his division of the sheep and goats when he touches down on the Mount of Olives. So, friend, he's gracious, he's long-suffering, even in judgment. Revelation 6, verses 3 and 4. When he, Jesus, opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So we now today, according to the Olivet Discourse that has all the signs of Jesus's return, these wars and rumors of wars. So we have Ukraine and we have China threatening, for example, to take over Taiwan. But in the tribulation, there will not only be conflict on the battlefield, but also in the streets, the schools and the stores. Look how in the United States we have attacked law enforcement, the police especially, and those trying to keep peace throughout our land. There's also been great hatred between people in every wing of American society. Lies, false accusations, inappropriate use of the FBI and other agencies against political opponents. This kind of rage and schism is going to lead towards within countries as well as among countries, making difficult business and schooling, family life, and even maintaining basic order. Revelation 6, verses 5 and 6, when he, Jesus, opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. Here, famine, shortage of food breaks out. Who would have guessed a decade ago that we would have supply chain problems, otherwise known as a desire for excess profits and work avoidance? Inflation now has been loosed for the first time in 40 years. A quart of wheat makes approximately a loaf and a half of bread, which goes for around $3 or so at the grocery store now with mild inflation. Do you know what it's going to be during this time in the tribulation? A day's wages, let's say somebody makes 12 and a half bucks an hour. That's $100 
for a loaf and a half of bread. And if somebody is a worker, they're only going to be essentially able to feed themselves. What about their entire family? What about rent? And all the other things that one needs in life. We are about to see a time such as the world has never seen. Revelation 6, verses 7 and 8. When he, Jesus, opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. So famine, lawlessness, war, and the wild claim huge numbers of people. Two billion is a quarter of this world. That last one, the wild beasts, is interesting. It could either be animals consuming those folks who try to flee all the strife and go into the jungle or other difficult places, or it could be folks who are following the beast, which is another name for Antichrist. Here, a quarter of the earth dies. Okay, two billion people. Let me put that in perspective for you. In comparison, coronavirus has claimed only six million people around the world. So this is 350 times as many as coronavirus. And another scale, World War II took 37 million civilian and military lives over its half dozen years. This one is going to be more than 50 times that many. This is catastrophic on a worldwide scale, but we're going to see this is only the first war of three. In Revelation 9, we move to the second of God's three rounds of judgment, the seven trumpets. The sixth trumpet brings the tribulation second world war. We go to Revelation 9, verses 13 to 15. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. These four angels apparently are bound, so they likely are fallen angels or demonic forces. The Euphrates cuts diagonally northwest to southeast through the Middle East, from Turkey, across Syria and Iraq, and eventually empties into the Persian Gulf. All those countries have historically been against Israel and the Jews, and of course they have led to much of the strife around the world over the last, oh, 2,000 years or so. Now, Revelation 9, 16 to 19, gives us some more details about this great war. The number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents, having heads. And with them, they do harm. 
Here we have horsemen with particular colors, perhaps like the flags of a country. Soldiers will take the standards or the flags with the national colors into battle with them. Russia's national colors correspond perfectly. Fiery red, hyacinth, which is deep blue, and sulfur, golden yellow. China's match two of the three. There are only two national colors, one being red and the other being yellow. We have odd horses here, ones that look like lions and have tails like serpents. Have you ever seen anybody like that? No, but these could be demons looking like horses, possibly could be tanks with drivers or some other kind of weaponry, maybe uh, airplanes. Firing from the great teeth of gun mounts, guns or missiles in the back as well, which could translate into power in the mouth and the tail. The 200 million horsemen are to kill a third of the Earth's population. At this time, it's going to be another 2 billion. We have gone from 8 billion to 6 billion in Revelation 6 war. Uh, and now we are going to go with one third less. One third of six is two. So we're going from 6 billion to 4 billion now. And we're only about the midpoint of the tribulation. This is incredible. Now, if these are actual horsemen, actually 200 million men fighting, we have to wonder how in the world they are going to get around as far as being able to maneuver. Going to go after, uh, have to go across seas and all those other kinds of areas. But for weaponry, with missiles especially, this is not going to be all that difficult. To have 200 million missiles would not be that hard. To give you an idea, of how many 200 million soldiers is, the United States only has about a million on active duty right now. And we have the most powerful military in all of the world. Surely China has quite a few more, but they do not have quite the technology that we do at this particular point. Now, Ezekiel 38 verses 1 to 12 appears to give us some more details about this second world war that is coming during the tribulation. It says that the leader of Mesach and Tubal, which corresponds to Ukraine and areas around the Black Sea, will join with Persia, which is modern Iran, Kush, which is Sudan, Put, which is northern Africa, Gomer in southern Russia, and Togarma, which is Turkey. All these regions, except for Ukraine, are now majority Muslim. China may also figure in with Russia. It is a far-flung nation. Russia, a lot of times that term was used to be able to illustrate a land that was simply too far away. And China had not been discovered by the folks in the Middle East at about that time. This whole horde is going to go up against Israel, which is going to be dwelling in peace or safely, as Ezekiel 38.11 tells us. Now, Daniel 9, 26 to 27 completes the picture of what the forces are trying to do at this time. It says, the prince who is to come, which is Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That is seven years, a week of years. But in the middle of the week, at that three and a half year point, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate. That is Antichrist even unto the consummation, which is the second coming, which is determined is poured out on the desolate, that is those who remain to the end of the tribulation alive. This abomination of desolation 
much like what happened with Antiochus Epiphanes IV in 168 BC, is mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. That day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin, Antichrist, is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, for he truly is anything but. So these 200 million horsemen or soldiers are going to be led into battle by Antichrist. They represent areas that today hate Israel and the Jews predominantly. They will have signed a treaty forming an alliance for seven years, and they have decided to invade and subjugate Israel and the Jews. Antichrist will show up in a rebuilt Jewish temple in Jerusalem. Yes, there are plans underway for that. Claiming to be Almighty God and stopping sacrifices, demanding worship on pain of death from the false prophet. And also, he will institute the system to buy and sell by his mark, which likely also will be able to tell if you're worshiping him or not. Do you know that there are radio waves that the Russians have used, even on our consulates in the United States, plus overseas, that can give somebody brain damage? It's not too much of a leap to be able to have that frequency kill them, is it? This is the world that Jesus Christ is going to come back to. The third round of judgment is the seven bowls. Revelation 16, 12 to 16, describes preparations for the third world war. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and his water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief, Jesus says. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Yes, that Armageddon. What exactly is Armageddon? Well, it is a real place. It translates to Mount Megiddo. There is not a literal mountain there, but there is a very high hill. Megiddo was a village of the Manassites, dating way back to references in the Old Testament. Several civilizations had a city in the very same place, so that tell, or hill, has grown to be several hundred feet high. It overlooks a vast valley where there have been more battles fought in the history of the world, according to historians, than any other place on planet Earth. There also have been slaughters of both pagans and Jews there as well. Today, there is a small village there that actually is of very modern origin. It was started by refugees from the Holocaust in the 1940s. About 800 of their descendants live in that place, which is in a very quiet area at the junction of two what we would call farm-to-market roads in the United States. One lane each way. But pretty soon, <laughs> there are going to be millions upon millions upon millions of soldiers gathering in that mighty valley. This war comes together in Revelation 19, verses 11 to 14. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, 
And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Amen and amen and amen. Can you feel the excitement of the power of God coming upon this world? To be able to change it back to that paradise that the Lord always meant it to be. But Satan screwed it up. Satan completely obliterated that, that sinlessness, that beauty. But it shall be restored in not many days. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Jesus leads us into Armageddon, appropriately enough, on a white horse, symbolizing purity. And he's so much greater than any of those old Wild West fellas that had the white hat and the white horse. Since we believers have been forgiven all of our sins, and we have been given sinless and purified and perfected resurrection bodies, we get to follow Jesus in garments as white as his. He's done all the work, and we get all the blessing. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Revelation 19, verses 15 and 16. Now out of his, Jesus's mouth, goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. You're coming soon. Praise God. Christ's sharp sword is the word of God written, and he will judge the entire world and everything and everyone in it by what has been written once forever. The wine press and its relation to Armageddon is described more fully in Revelation 14, verses 14 to 20, which says, I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Well, friends, if you ever wondered where the title for the grapes of wrath came from, this is it. It's also the inspiration for that line in the Battle Hymn of the Republic. They are trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. Exactly this passage. Now, the blood, in all likelihood, is going to come from Armageddon, the great largest battle of all time there in that valley around Megiddo. Up to the horse's bridles is about four or five feet tall. It could be splattering in certain cases, but it's going to have to be at least a few feet deep to be able to run 184 miles. Exactly how much is that? Well, if you went from here in Scottsbluff to North Platte, Nebraska, 
from the West End to the middle of the state, it would be approximately that long. If you're out on the East Coast, from Baltimore all the way to New York City. And for my Canadian friends, from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, to Kingston, Ontario, Canada. That's quite a good ways, my friend. And the traffic is going to be horrible. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Revelation 19, verses 17 to 18. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. Oh, praise God. Isaiah 66, verses 15 and 16, also talks of the awesomeness of God's army in this battle. The Lord will come with fire and his chariots, like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. And for by his fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. He's not the limp-wristed fellow whom some lesbian uh, Swedish Lutheran bishop said wouldn't want us to be trying to convert people. She opened up her synod to having these Muslims there and pointing where Mecca is for them. Friends, that's blasphemy. Doing this in the house of God, those people are doomed because they're Muslim. They don't worship the right God. They, Allah has no relationship to Yahweh. They are not at all the same, my friends. I would that all the Muslims be saved, but friends, don't mix these two. There is nothing like Chrislam that is legitimate in the eyes of God. And concluding, Revelation 19, verses 19 to 21. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. The two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. All the birds were filled with their flesh. There's the wedding supper of the lamb. <laughs> Not real romantic, is it? But it is right, and it is holy, and it is good, and it's going to happen, my friend. It's going to happen. As powerful as Antichrist was for three and a half years on the earth, God gives him power for 42 months to rule it. There'll be 10 divisions of the earth. There'll be billions of people. There'll be a lot of folks dying because they don't want to have the mark of the beast. As feared as his sidekick, the false prophet, had been having people executed because they would not worship Antichrist. They will be tormented in eternity with no hope of redemption or release, as they should be. The birds will eat the corpses strewn for miles on the battlefield, a wedding supper fit for those who have overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Friends, everybody will have had their chance. The believers had their chance, and by the grace of God took it. The unbelievers, they had their chance. Even the world, Romans 1 says, is a witness to every single person that there is a God and he has made a bridge to us. We need to get out, though, and we need to tell people about Jesus Christ. Friends, there is only one name by which we may be saved. That is Jesus Christ. Who says this? Jesus Christ himself. And so one must bow the knee to him now. All of us will bow the knee later 
when he comes to rule and reign after Armageddon. But it will be with a rod of iron for those who have not accepted him, and those goats will immediately go to hell. This is Jesus Christ too. Love judges and protects and corrects, as well as also comforts and encourages and helps. So we have six takeaways today. We Number one, we've gone 77 years without a world war, but the tribulation has three and seven years. Again, we've gone 77 years without a world war, but the tribulation has three and seven years. The conflict in Ukraine with India, Iran, North Korea, and China aligning with Russia has the potential to lead into the first war of the three in the tribulation. Number two, there is one world war for each round of God's judgment, the seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. Again, there is one world war for each round of God's judgment, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. Three is a number of completeness. For example, Father, Son, and Spirit. Number three, two billion will die in the first world war in the tribulation, two billion more in the second and untold numbers in the Third World War. Again, two billion will die in the First World War in the Tribulation, two billion more in the Second, and untold numbers in the Third World War, which we know is Armageddon. We know, though, from Revelation 14, verses 14 to 20 that we went over, the blood from that third, Armageddon, will flow up to horses' bridles, four or five feet tall, and go for 184 miles, Baltimore to New York City. Number four, the tribulation's first world war involves conquest, as in Ukraine. The second world war focuses on Israel, and the third features all secular armies globally against Christ. Again, number four, the tribulation's first world war involves conquest, as in Ukraine. The second world war focuses on Israel, and the third features all the secular armies of the world, all those against God, taking on Jesus Christ. And they're going to lose. <laughs> Praise God in the name of Jesus. The first seal features a man with a bow on a horse with a crown going out to conquer and to make war. The sixth trumpet, an army of 200 million horsemen. And the sixth bull, unclean spirits summoning armies to Mount Megiddo. Number five. Aside from billions dead by wars, millions will, star, will die from starvation in the tribulation, Antichrist killing those refusing him, waters poisoned across the globe, and much more. Point five, aside from the billions dead from wars, millions more will die from starvation, Antichrist killing those refusing him, waters poisoned across the globe, and much more. Christ says in Matthew 24, 21, there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Fifty times more deadly in the first round alone than all of World War II. Avoid, number six, avoid the coming world wars, death and mayhem by following Jesus now. Point six, avoid the coming world wars, death, and mayhem by following Jesus Christ now. The rapture could be any moment. Don't listen to people who say, oh, it's just all uh, an existential kind of thought. Oh, it's just all meant to be some kind of symbol, the entirety of Revelation. That's a bunch of hooey. I tell you, having studied Revelation, preached every verse through it, and taught 
virtually every verse through it. There's two more chapters to go Wednesday nights. Most of it can be taken quite literally. There are a couple of chapters, like chapter 12, which are, of course, mostly figurative. However, we are going to literally rule and reign upon this earth for a thousand years, or God is a liar. We are literally going to go to the new Jerusalem, which will come down out of heaven like a bride for her husband that is going to be approximately the size of the eastern half of the U.S. on each side. There are literal measurements given to it in the word of God in Revelation 21. So believe God. Don't believe men. Believe God. And be, feel free to check out what I'm saying. I am more than happy to have you get into the word of God to make sure what I'm telling you is true. But you'll find that it is, and you will find that it is accurate. By the way, I use the New King James Version. It is a good word-for-word -word translation as opposed to thought-for-thought -thought NIV, although the NIV is a, a fine, fine version too. But that's where you will find the phraseology in English that I use. Friend, this is the time to be saved. Don't put this off one more second. I am not a person who tries to panic folks. I, by nature, I'm very calm. Uh, I also try to encourage. I, I try to give people the peace of God. But there is a time to warn people and to warn them sternly. And this is the time I'm doing this with you. Friend, I believe that the Lord has put me on this particular assignment over the last year and a half or so to get out the word of the end times so that people may be saved. And we have seen a good number of people saved of all different ages and backgrounds. Will you be one of those? There are only two places you're going to go. One is to hell, and that's going to be where most folks go. The other one is to heaven. That's going to be a minority, but always oh, going to be a blessed one. Hell is absolutely horrible. There is no hope of escape. You are going to be burning forever. It is like a furnace, Jesus Christ himself said. There is going to be wailing. There are going to be people gnashing their teeth for pain. It's going to be like being alone together. Uh, your body will be on fire and will actually be physical forever. You're going to be resurrected, but to damnation, not the resurrection that is to life, which for, is for those who follow Christ and go to heaven. No, you're going to be dying forever, essentially, without end. However, it's just as blessed on the other side, in the good direction in heaven. You're going to be able to be with those friends, those family that you've loved who have accepted Christ. You're going to be able to celebrate Jesus forever. You're going to have wonderful worship services. You'll be able to talk with Jesus Christ Almighty. The Apostle Paul, your grandmother, your grandfather who's gone on before. Isn't that fantastic? There'll be no sickness. There's going to be no hardship, difficulty, disease. There's going to be trees that give you a different fruit every month. There's no such thing here in the world today. But this is the world as God wanted it to be for us always, in perfect fellowship with us. I cannot tell you how blessed the fellowship I have had with the Lord has been at times in this world. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus is Lord. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he saved my soul, that I was going to hell without question, and now I'm going to heaven without question. Not because I'm so good, but because he is. Get saved now, friend. Don't put it off. Don't say it's for when I turn 21 or 51 or 91. Don't say it's when my neighbor will get saved or my wife will get saved. You get saved, you're responsible for your soul. Then you go and tell them how to get saved.
We've got free materials for you. Friend, here's a couple of them. We'll give you these free cards, business cards. I've got our contact information website. On the other side, it is how to be saved. And this one long paragraph is easily readable. You'll be able to go over the essentials of salvation and also get the first step of discipleship like I'll give you in a minute. This one, peace of mind in a troubled world. Have we ever needed that dove of peace, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, to come upon us now? Also, we have the life book. This is the Gospel of Mark, the shortest one, in very easy-to-read form. You can request multiples of these, whatever number you want, as long as we have supplies free. That's why we're asking you to give the $25 a month so that we can continue putting out these programs free on Facebook and all the rest. We advertise them to get them before eyes of people who need to be saved and also need encouragement in the Lord. And then we have these free evangelism materials and we use them ourselves out on the street, too. There are four essentials to be saved. One is to repent of sin, asking God to forgive. Every last one of us, me included, have to repent to the Lord. Only one person walked the earth perfectly, Jesus Christ, and we killed him for it. Secondly, we have to believe that Jesus Christ rose in body and spirit the third day in the tomb. If he doesn't rise, we don't have a faith. It's just moldering there in the grave, and he was another nice man who was just mistaken. Well, that's wrong, and it's even blasphemy. He's God, and he overcame the world. Also, we confess faith in him. There is no other way, works or anything else, that you can be saved but by the blood of Jesus. Yes, you need to follow him, but that is after God has given you his Holy Spirit when you're saved. You're given the ability to be able to follow him well. Not perfectly. <laughs> But well, and also follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. What do you do when you sin after you get saved? I have. I've been a pastor for over 20 years. Okay, well, you say, Lord God, please forgive me. I screwed up. I got into anger. You know, I, I got into what was on the internet. I got, I got into, I, I'm sorry, God, please forgive me. And Psalm 103 says, your sin is cast as far as east is from the west. It's done. God will not bring it up to you again. The devil probably will, but God won't. It's wiped there out of his books and no fishing on it. <laughs> I'm going to lead you in a prayer to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can repeat after me, and if you believe what I'm saying, that will count for salvation for you. Then you've got to walk it out. Some people just get excited for a minute. Friend, you've got to endure with the Lord. It's not about works, but it's about seeking him in relationship. This is the word that the churches have an excruciating time with. I have seen churches with fantastic statements of faith, but they are of the devil, virtually everybody in them, because they don't actually have relationship with God and each other. This is what's missing, and this is what we offer to you, even online as well as in person, here at Eternity Now. I'll talk about that more later, but let's go to our Father of Prayer now. Father God, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus rose in body and spirit the third day in the tomb. I confess faith in him that he died that I might live. I will follow him as Lord and Savior.
repenting should I fall. Come into my heart, Lord God, and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. And so be it. Man makes salvation complicated. God makes it simple. This is the exchange life, his for ours. We've sinned so much. We've abused our bodies. We've abused others. God's perfect. But he gives it to us because we've said, you know, we can't rescue ourselves. Can't throw yourself a life preserver. God's got to do it, and he has. And we've grabbed onto it, realizing there's no other way we're going to be saved. What do we do once we're saved? Well, get baptized in water. Friend, if you want to be baptized, we will arrange for it as soon as possible. Jesus Christ was baptized not because he needed to. He was sinless but because it was an example to us that we need to make a public profession of faith. Not just think it, but live it. Also, we read the Bible. It's not a bookworm type thing. We're not trying to get an academic award, but we are trying to understand who God is. Where do you go? Well, the Bible is the only 100% perfect description of who God is. I encourage you to check what I say against what the Bible says. I make the Bible the centerpiece of every single message because it is where the power is. God does give me wisdom, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, things to be able to help. I'm called to preach, called pastor. But it's got to begin with the word, and it's got to have the spirit or else it's nothing. Also, we pray. Do you know that there are 7,500 promises in Scripture to you? One for almost every hour in the year. Yes, and I said it right, hour in the year. How do you know about them? Well, you got to read the word and you got to pray. You know, maybe you read it and you say, Lord, help me to have perfect peace. Something happens in the middle of your day. And, oh, it's like, then you got to go back to the Lord in prayer. Take that thought captive. It's the enemy trying to get set you off here and say, oh, Lord God, let me have my mind stayed on you in perfect peace, trusting in you. In Jesus name. Amen. That's Isaiah 26, three, by the way. And it'll happen. Just keep going and keep taking those thoughts captive. I know that there are Christians who are having rages and they don't know why anymore. It's the spirit of Antichrist towards self-destruction in the world. We got to fight it. We got to take the thoughts captive to Christ. Second Corinthians 10, 5. This is simple, practical, spiritual warfare. You don't have to uh, run around in a circle five times, click your heels and, and speak in tongues to do it. You just got to do what the Bible says. Plain English. Also, come to church. Come online. If you don't have that Bible-believing, practicing church where you are, only three of eight pastors has a biblical worldview. So no wonder that only one in 20 Christians has a biblical worldview as well. We have a biblical worldview. I preach straight from the Word of God. If you think I'm wrong on it, well, send me a line and tell me. I'll listen to you. And if you're right, I'll acknowledge you're right. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to go right from the word of God and I'm not going to spare anybody and I'm not going to try to pussyfoot around because I wasn't called to do that and that's no good for you. You need to hear bad along with the good and in that way you can get rid of that evil and be able to come up with God. Also, fellowship with other believers. Take time. You need to come to church and also meet people outside of church to be able to really be part of the body. We're not supposed to be Lone Ranger Christians. We are supposed to be the family of God, not just natural family, though that's wonderful. We actually are going to have a deeper relationship, both being saved than a mother with their child. Here, if one is saved and one is not, it, the person who is unsaved will be in hell and the person who is saved is going to be in heaven. 
That's the way it is. We got to get to know each other on the earth and be able to be that solid family and fighting force that's going to storm the gates of hell, as Jesus Christ told us in Matthew 16, 18, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church, he said. And then pursue personal relationship with Almighty God. My friend, it is possible for you to know him, and he already knows you. He made your physical form. He got that process kicked off with Adam and Eve, and it hasn't stopped yet. Also, he put together your soul and put placed that into the body. And he put a calling on your life even before you were born. This is from Jeremiah 1.5, that he was called as a prophet in the womb. And David says in Psalm 139, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You, God, made me in the matrix, the womb of my mother. He's known you from before the beginning. He knows you now. He's going to know you forever. Get ready for heaven by getting to know him better now through these steps of discipleship. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this broadcast. For more, including links to all our programs and social media, go to eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. We have over 100 videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's eternitynow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Hallelujah.